Welcome to another spooky, horrific, and terrifying episode of Pottywood. <laughs> I am your cliche-ridden host, Steve Hester, and with me as always is... The only thing spooky and scary about this episode, I guarantee you, is your internet connection. Welcome this week to Pottywood, the thing that is less scary than for the love of horrors ticket price. <laughs> Oh, yes, but, those uh, are terrifying. Yes, and that is going on at this moment. Not that I'm going to throw uh, a free plug out to them, because by the time you've heard this show, you'll have realized how much a hole in your pocket really was for nothing. Yes. Um, but before we do go any further, um, I just want to wish you a belated happy birthday. I know that this is all happened over the last week or so, but uh, you you now reached a momentous old age of, what is it, 44? Uh, I believe it is forty-four. Yes, yes, and uh, we had uh, we had some drinks at weekend. We did, we did. Oh, that was good. That was only on that was only on Saturday. Yeah, how bizarre is that? I know, I know. And uh, we had uh, two of our previous guests, Mister Nick Scudell and uh, the one and only Bill Daly. Uh, flew all the way over from Los Angeles to end up in a weather spoons. Ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the the kind of perfect ending to that <laughs> night, really. <laughs> Poor fucking guy. I'm sorry. It was not intended to go that way. No. There was grand plans for that night out, and then because we we at the botanist in Manchester, which um, is an amazing place. The food is great. Yep, lovely food. And uh, that's it. They could not get us to our table and eat fast enough. Not by our choice. They were just like, "Are all your party here yet? We want to send food out." Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, "Jeez, it's like dim sum. It's great." So we left there, and we we're like, "Oh, where can we go?" Because the major bulk of the group is still out, and there's only a couple who have like tapped out and gone home. So we tried to go to the Slug and Lettuce, which is two doors up, and they're like, "Nah, there's ten of you. Can't take that many." So we go into Weatherspoons, which is one door up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> well. Yeah, end your night in a weather spoons, but to be honest, I mean, it was like what three o'clock when we left. Yeah, it three was, in the morning. It, it was quite late when we got carted out, and uh, you know, there was it was a nice enough night. You know, no hassle, plenty of drinks, relatively cheap. What more do you want? Exactly, and just the fact that Nick Schodel came over and for Bill Daly to have his introduction to Manchester in a way, and Bill's really likes Manchester. It's shocked me, but he, you know, he really liked it. He enjoyed it. We had. Uh, just a really good time, and it was it was a great weekend. I want to thank everyone who uh, came to celebrate me turning forty four. I wasn't originally going to do anything for my birthday this year, until Bill basically said I'm on my way, and then so it was like, oh well, now we've got to do something. Yeah, you know, what? and it's very rare that me and you actually get together in person, so it was nice for us all to be out and and having fun. And no doubt you can see all of the pictures on the party road. Facebook page where we all look pretty drunk. Yes, yes. Alcohol is a terrible cross to bear. And speaking <laughs> of crosses to bear... Oh, you absolute bastard. Oh! I'll give you that one. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about uh, last week's What's in the Box, which was the 1999... God, I had to think for a second then. Uh, movie <laughs> Stigmata, starring uh, Patricia Arquette and Gabriel Byrne. Mm-hmm. Now I need to tread lightly with this one, don't I? 
No, you don't have to tread lightly at all. It's me who's got to do that shit. Now, before I say anything, and I have a feeling you might be listening, um, it is directed by a friend of mine, Rupert Wainwright, uh, amazing uh, director. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was one of his uh, high-profile efforts, and I just want to say I have to behave. And to be honest, it's not kind of hard to behave with this movie, uh, whereas Steve can just be brutally honest yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tear holes in it just for the sake of tearing holes in it everything that i'm going to be saying is what i believe to be a legitimate criticism of the film good or bad from an everyman standpoint exactly so uh mr wainwright sir whatever happens over the next few minutes please don't take it personally it's it's all in the name of of entertainment okay so you have gabriel byrne is a priest. Um, I can't remember his name. Um, you have to say Gabriel, but you have to say his surname so Irishly. I have to say it Irish. Yes, it, it's like I can't remember what the name of the priest is. I'm just going to call him Ted. So Father Ted has to travel around the world and investigate the occurrences of supposed miracles. And the film kicks off with him in a small village in Brazil where there is a statue that has been crying tears of blood uh, after the death of the local priest. This then ties in with Patricia Arquette, who is a single woman living alone in Philadelphia in a massive apartment on a hairdresser's salary. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to pick up on that. It's very nineties in that regard, where you know, you, you, oh, what do you do? Oh, I, I arrange flowers. I live in a mansion. Yeah, don't get that anymore. Well, m- maybe it was just a case of she's been able to afford that. Maybe school term was coming up, and all the kids came in for the haircut, and she's just recently bought it. Yeah, good thing. She also recently bought an inflatable green chair, <laughs> and and she suddenly starts to develop evidence of the stigmata which is an occurrence of the wounds that christ suffered when he was uh nailed to the cross now what makes this kind of stand out is that most stigmata sufferers tend to be very very devout believers whereas patricia arquette's character is a complete atheist and it all then kind of ties together between her and the priest in brazil as there's this vatican based conspiracy to try and hide the discovery of this gospel this missing gospel which is supposedly containing the most accurate depictions of the works of jesus christ so it it's already a little bit complicated and yeah and it's it it kind of reminded me of the Da Vinci Code, except without without the tension or the gravitas behind it. And Da Vinci Code is not a great movie. No, no, but it, it does do a quite a good job of keeping the pace and going. And I think that is one of the things which I didn't like most about this film is the fact that it felt quite tenseless. Even with a lot of the stuff which is going on, there's it doesn't feel like it's scary enough to be a horror film. And the pacing of it, even though it's a relatively short film of just over about an hour and 40, it still feels at times that, that, that there's no kind of urgency to it. There, there is the ticking clock that uh, Frankie gets told by Father Ted that stigmatics, I think it's stigmatics, usually only exhibit one or two of the wounds. And you've got two that appear in the hands. You've got 
two that appear in the feet. You've got the crown of thorns around the head. And then finally, there's the spear in the side, which is wrong in the film. Uh, yes. Uh, you know mm-hmm. what? I picked up on that. It's like, hang on a minute. Yep. That was not the killing blow. That no. was a blow to see if he was dead or not. Exactly. You see, I was born and raised an Irish Catholic. I had all that kind of stuff drummed into me by my grandmother. <laughs> you know, the the positions, the positions of the passion and all the rest of it. So anyway, uh, and there is a ticking clock element there where she develops each of the different wounds one after the other. And you are kind of thinking, well, we're going to be ending up with the fifth one at some point, and that will be the end of her life. But even then, there's no kind of sense of, oh, we need to get here. We need to do this. We need to we need to find this thing out. It It's taken at such a leisurely pace that even when they finally get into the point where they're unraveling the mystery and finding out how the priest in Brazil is connected with this missing gospel and the Vatican, and then Jonathan Price, who's a bad guy, because of course he's a bad guy, because this is Jonathan <laughs> Price in the 90s. Even even all that, it's taken at such uh, an almost glacial speed that I was, I was, I want, I wanted this to be edited again. We're back to that 3000 miles to Graceland problem. I wanted there, there to be faster cuts. I wanted there to be more sense of urgency. The bathroom fight in particular, there's some, there's one shot where Patricia Arquette is possessed and she basically is beating Gabriel Byrne up and throws him through a shower cubicle. And it looks like he's, he's kind of waiting on a mark to then be thrown through the glass as opposed to someone who's actually afraid and I just think, no, no, trim, urgency, urgency. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. And that then kind of brings me on to the the other issue that I had with it, which is it seemed to love its late 90s industrial pop music a little bit too much. (laughs) We're looking at you, Chumbawamba. Yes, uh, I did notice Billy Corgan in the opening credits. It, it was it was yeah. the later part of the 90s where you just crammed in a hell of a lot. And I'll give Rupert his due because Rupert's background was in music videos and pop videos. Oh, was it? Yeah, including You Can't Touch This. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, that, that is an iconic video. And a lot yeah, of this is. kind of feels like it should be a music video. There, there are there is a weird dynamic between this film where there's a lot of scenes that are very pop video ish, and then mm-hmm. there's other scenes like especially at the when you're at the Vatican, yeah, or Vatican City that are very filmic. Yeah, it is like a complete separation. I don't I wonder if that's a conscious choice because obviously Patricia Arquette's character is very different from the whole religious movement. Yeah, so I wonder if that was done as a kind of separation. It could have been. And then again, you've also got moments like when Father Ted meets her in the cafe. Yeah. You know, they're just having a conversation and he examines the wounds that are on her arms and everything. And there that felt, that felt like there's none, none of that excessive music that's going on. It's just two people that are acting together. Okay, I like this. I like kind of like the, the focus on it. I like how they're trying to actually build on the story. And then next thing you know, there's more loud going on. <laughs> and I think I think a lot of it could be also improved by removing a lot of that music, maybe having more of a traditional kind of orchestral score going on, just to give it a bit more weight. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's you're having to tread carefully, aren't you? <laughs> no, I was I was trying to link it to another movie, and I just couldn't remember what the other movie was. Um, the thing is with Rupert, and Rupert has uh, I, th- I think he gets more flack nowadays for the remake of The Fog that mm-hmm. he did, which was an incredibly hard task to do because The Fog is an absolute classic. It's one of my favourite films as well. And uh, as soon as everyone heard the remake was going on, but they started remaking all of John Carpenter's movies around that time. And I know that there was some certain flack that he got for Stigmata because a lot of people were basically saying, oh, it's a, it's an anti-God movie. And it's not an anti-God movie. It's an anti-church movie, I feel. Yeah. Right, because you play this against those Hallmark Channel movies about Christianity <laughs> and everything yeah. that you say, I feel it's very against the whole, you know, the Vatican and and the kind yeah. of corruption within it. I think it's it's very singled on that. I, I that was kind of what I was picking up on as well, because like I said, I was born and raised an Irish Catholic, but now I consider myself to be an agnostic. And one of the things that I actually hate more than anything else is organized religion. Um, yeah. So it, I, I was more than happy to go along with the idea that there was, there was this wall that was between Christ and humanity, and it was the church, and that was kind of what Protestantism was trying to achieve way back in the day when Martin Luther nailed his proclamation to the church door. Um, <laughs> see, I do Oof. know, I know some stuff. Um, so, Bodywood sponsored by the History Channel. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was all entirely behind that. It's not saying don't believe in God. It's saying believe in God, but kind of keep mankind from getting in the way. Yes. It, it's get the direct number instead of going through the switchboard. Ah, uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I mean, I thought there were some very smart little choices in this movie. Uh, that probably went over the heads of most people. Like uh, at the very end scene, notice in the background the statue of Saint Francis of Assisi. Oh yeah, of Assisi. Saint Francis of Assisi. Yeah. Now, if you know your history, Steve. Mm-hmm. Which I do because it? it's mentioned in the film. Oh well, God, yeah, it's spoiled <laughs> in the film for the people who didn't do that fucking research, I guess. But obviously, Saint Francis of Assisi was was he the first person to uh, according to this, the yeah. of Christ? Yes. Yeah. And I thought that was a nice little nod, you know. I I must have missed the mention of it, or maybe I was making a brew or something. I don't know. Yeah, good. Um, I I also love to see that the the, uh, the mansion, the Filoli Mansion, was in the movie. It's me and my locations again. Filoli Mansion was um, the house that Michael Douglas lived in in the game, which is one of my favorite movies. And when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, that's the Filoni Mansion. So nice to see that mansion referenced. Um, we're not going to be able to escape the fact that. Gabriel Byrne stars as a priest in this movie, and yet, in the same year, he played Satan himself yeah. in End of Days. Mm. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of one hell of a one eighty. Let's be yeah. perfectly honest. <laughs> He's, he he got both ends of the scale from his agent that year. <laughs> but right. um, I'm 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 ty- I'm Irish, so I'm a little bit tired of uh, of being classed as a priest. Well, we've got a role for you as the devil. Perfect, I'll do that. No yeah, idea I mean, which part of Ireland that accent was from. <laughs> I know. By, <laughs> Ireland by way of Jamaica. <laughs> um, but uh, I, 
the one thing is, uh, Gabriel Byrne was so criticised for his performance in this movie, and he was nominated for the Razzie and lost it to Jar Jar Binks. Which is like, wow, the only thing you've lost to is a fully animatronic character. (laughs) Which basically is like saying, you were the worst liar. It wasn't. And I thought Patricia Arquette was really good in the movie Mm. as well. Um, But I've got to say, the greatest moment for Gabriel Byrne in this movie is the scene with him and the hookers, or prostitutes, as you would call him. Because when you link that with End of Days, like he's saying no to these prostitutes, but two weeks later he's bedding a MILF and her daughter at the same time on the set of End of Days. Yeah, and I did also love the the quote that one of those ladies of negotiable virtue uh, gave when he showed the, the, uh, the dog collar. She said, oh, I'll give you the Vatican discount. It's probably a lot more truth to that than I think a lot of people would like to admit. Mm. Yeah, yeah, quite, quite possibly so. I mean, I don't know where um, Rupert stands on that whole debate. It'd be interesting in a conversation to have with him. Yeah, I don't know whether it came from the actual scriptwriters or him himself, or if it was a conscious effort by both. I know there is an alternate ending to this movie that is not so Hollywood, apparently. Ooh, do so, do you want to spoil it? I've not seen it. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm I kind of a purist. I, I like to see the version that comes out, either good or bad. And it's if it gets released as a special edition with the ending change, then fine, I'll watch it that way. I don't actively go and sort out uh, an alternative ending to movies. If the director has put that version out and he says this version is better, then I'll I'll live with that choice. Um, Stigmata was a hit. It had a twenty nine million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. And made eighty nine point four million. Okay, so double that up for advertising. So yeah, yeah, you'd be looking at about what twenty twenty five million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say about Stigmata. Um, if you're after a mindless horror film, it's the wrong movie for you. Yeah, this is, a, I guess you could call it kind of a thinking man's horror, and I think that may be where it was hurting because a lot of people did push this out as a horror. And a lot of the advertising, I remember still to this day, you know, your your TV adverts are usually about 10 seconds to 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what did he call them? Teasers. Teaser. Yeah, it's, it basically yeah. it was a teaser. And I remember they leaned so heavy on the horror aspect of it, uh, which was a shame. And I saw this movie on the same night I saw Sleepy Hollow. And I went to see Sleepy Hollow first. And I was walking out of Sleepy Hollow like, fuck. How, how the fuck did you get that story wrong? Because I'm I'm a legend of Sleepy Hollow fan, and uh, you'd expect Tim Burton would have been a fan as well. Yeah, apparently well, not. I really enjoyed Sleepy Hollow, but then again, if you're after Tim Hurton, Tim Hurton, Tim Horton, um, being accurate, <laughs> then Tim hurting hurting your franchise. Then look yeah. at Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for God's sake. Uh, well, well, so that that's okay. a case of not understanding the source material. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I will admit the ending of the movie did feel a bit meh for me, Mm. personally. But around this time, religion and horror was huge. As we mentioned, End of Days came out. Um, Also in this year, Lost Souls with uh, Winona Ryder and Game On's Ben Chaplin. (laughs) I was a movie star once. And um, Bless the Child with Kim Basinger. Do you think it was the approach of the millennium? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was that was the hot ticket for ninety nine and two thousand. You know, and I'm I'm sure there's one or two others that slot in there as well. Um, 
The one thing that really puzzles me about this film mm-hmm. is her friend. Yeah, I, I the, think... the friend that seems to still be disbelieving her when she has just seen the shit happen for real, right in front of her face. Yeah, and she's still not taking her seriously. Like, oh, we're going out on a Friday night. Forget about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I was actually writing some notes at the time, so this could very, very easily be easily explained. But the very first time that she suffers the the wounds, she's in the bath. And it kind of looks like someone's trying to hold her down underwater and she's struggling against it. And then there's a shot of an ambulance and then her friend's at the hospital with her. Now, was her friend in the ambulance with her? Because I don't remember seeing it there. And if that's the case, then who called the ambulance in the first place? God knows. God knows. I do know that 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 Metro line scene, uh, in case anyone recognises the Metro line, it is the one from Seinfeld. There's, actually, there's a weird thing about that is there's a couple of shots of the front of the train and it must be the lighting. It kind of looks like there is a pole that is going through the driver's window on the front of the train, like a scaffolding pole. Okay. And it, it, they cut back to it in several shots and I thought, is that is that just the light? Did I miss something? Did, did it go through the window? What's going on? Or could it be... Stock footage from the movie Money Train that was released a couple of years earlier. Oh, God, you're kidding. Uh, no, it was. It, apparently so. They used some shots from the movie Money Train for that. <laughs> it's not It's not an uncommon practice. Oh, no. You know, no. So, you, know you get establishing shots and stuff. But no. Come on. Oh, Jesus. So what, did that happen in Money Train? I can't remember. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Oh, God knows what happens in Money Train. I only saw it once, and I think once was enough. Okay. Um, yes, that's probably going to be on the, the nominate, not nominate five, but what's in the box at some point. Yeah. Um, but I do know that some of the footage was sourced for that, just random shots. So that could be, I don't know. I'll have to watch Money Train again and discover it, I guess. Oh, sorry for that. I don't know. I'm going to make you watch it with me now just for that. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. So in rounding out Stigmata, final words, Steve. Final words. Uh, one, if you're looking for a horror, this isn't a horror. Um, okay. It's a film that kind of would have benefited from different score, tighten up the pacing, and then maybe try and avoid kind of... It's so 90s at times that it hurts. Well, it was made in the 90s, so that's I, not really a, an argument. I, I know, <laughs> but some of it has not aged well. But it's... Okay. Uh, I I I can't actually bring myself to hate this, um, so, because so I what don't. Would you, what what would you actually class it? I'd class it what a religious thriller, a religious thriller, religious drama, maybe. Okay, with some supernatural elements. Yeah, which I kind of would have done without, because I think it would be more interesting if the spoiler reveal wasn't the fact that the old priest who died in Brazil was actually possessing her to write all this stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of think it would have been a lot more interesting if it was God or Jesus or something that was that was doing it. But anyway, that's 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 my threepence worth. Anyway, <laughs> God and Jesus just decide to uh, possess a uh, atheist hairdresser who's just bought a green chair, <laughs> inflatable green chair. Because everyone's going to believe a hairdresser. I know. Um, that, uh, to be honest. I don't think it's as an offensive movie as people think it is. No. You know, um, 
And a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's rubbish. And the main reason being, it was it was almost people were expecting like The Exorcist. You know, this is a movie full about possession because the trailers here in the UK really made it look that way. Because I was surprised when I saw it. It's like, well, this isn't about someone being possessed at all in uh, in that kind of volume. Yeah, it's got little elements of it here and there. And as as Rupert, you know, he has been a, a good mentor to me and a good friend, and he still is. I hopefully he still is. After hopefully this. Steve, it's Steve gave all the shit. I was very positive about it. Yes, um, that's, that's very true. I I look at it like this. I think it's one of those movies. If it's if you see it on and you've never seen it, watch it. But don't kind of watch it for Halloween because I think you'd be very disappointed. Watch it for um, Easter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Exactly. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're now getting our complaints. So, yes. Um, yeah. Stigmata. What was what was the rating on it? Can you remember? Um, I think it was something like about it was something like about twenty two critics score, yeah. but it was like about fifty nine um, audience score. Okay, so that would average out. I think that would put it at least in the higher thirties. Yeah. In yeah. realistic. And I think the critics, they they kind of go into these movies and labeling it as a horror movie. And if they did that, then they were wrong. This movie is not that bad at all. Yeah. No, it isn't. It isn't. It's, yeah, it's worth, worth kind of tracking down if it's on, uh, if it's on one night. Give it a crack. Might as well. Exactly. And uh, as soon as we're counting down to Halloween, what kind of scares do we have on the anniversaries? Watch them again all of the time, or we get them on Prime for free. But we only know how old they are when we learn their anniversary. What's really <laughs> scary is that we still haven't changed that song. Well, the strange thing is, well, I get comfy in my chair for this because we have five to talk about here. Mm. I know, okay. I know. Now, the strange thing is, being uh, this week over the years, you'd think it's Halloween time, you know, it's getting to the scary part of the year. Surely there's a lot of spooky movies coming out. And I'm really kind of amazed of the movies that got to number one around this time over all of these years, that only one of the five here is actually a horror movie. Oh, God. Okay. Do you want to go with that one first, or are you saving that for the last? Oh, what, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going with that one first, because I actually really, really love this movie. And okay. it's going to be interesting to hear your take on it, because I suspect you have seen it. Is it repossessed? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Oh, it would have been good if it was. Um, in 2007, mm-hmm. the movie 30 Days of Night was released. Do you want to know something? Go on. I had this on DVD and I never got around to watching it. You fucking philistine. Yep. The yeah. thing is, Amanda loves it. She absolutely adores this. She, as we found out last week, has an intense hatred for the Twilight films. She oh, yes. loves stuff like this. Proper vampires, fangs, blood, gore. Now, even though I haven't seen the film, I have read a few of the comics. Okay, all right. So I can so, kind of participate a little. Okay, well, David Slade, who directed this, 
um, obviously had a good love of that comic because he really retained um, the atmosphere of that comic book. And originally it was supposed to be Sam Raimi, I believe. Uh, but Sam Raimi stepped aside from directing and took a producer role and David Slade came on. And David Slade is a fantastic choice because uh, just prior to this, he had directed a really unnerving thriller called Hard Candy, which got a lot of press that starred oh. Patrick Wilson and Ellen Page. Is he, is he kind of like a paedophile? And, yes. And someone comes to the apartment, but it turns out that she's older and then she like tortures him and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a very controversial watch. It's a very unsettling watch. It is a good movie, mm-hmm. uh, not something I'd watch every year. Um, David Slade also more recently he directed the uh, Black Mirror movie Bandersnatch. Ah, wow! Yeah, that yes. really really technically impressive thing, which because it's Black Mirror has no good ending. Yes, and David Slade also directed Twilight Eclipse, which kind of pisses on the legacy he did <sighs> with Thirty Days of Night. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell her that one. Yeah. Oh, she she knows. She knows. I don't think she Uh, does. If not, she knows by now. (laughs) Um, 30 Days a Night is fabulous. It's probably the last great vampire movie I've ever seen. Uh, I I will count Let Me In, even though it is a remake of Let the White One In. Uh, But 30 Days a Night really delivers. It's so terrifying. Like the vampires in it are genuinely scary. And I went to the cinemas to see this. And I remember because it was just around the time I got into university on my film degree. And this movie was a game changer for me. This is like The Thing. You know, that feeling when I saw John Carpenter's mm. The Thing. You know, and now seeing it here. Basically, the story is uh, Barrow, Alaska, a town that actually sees 60, doesn't see the sun for 67 days, not 30. Sorry to be a drag there but 30 days of night sounds better than 67 days of night yeah a lot better um so the people in this town uh some of them were due to leave but some of them get stranded and obviously they've then got to go through 30 days of night where there's no sun coming up where these vampires have now descended on this town and they've got to try and last these 30 days by hiding from these vampires you know, and, and trying to survive. And it is brilliant. It feels so John Carpenter-ish in a way because it has those establish all of the characters and then suddenly you feel the effect of them when they die off. And I think a lot of horror films don't do that. They just leap straight oh, into it and you're there going, wait, who's who's the blonde guy? Uh, who's the black guy? Who's that brunette woman? Who's that brunette woman? And, yeah. and when they get killed off, there's no kind of stakes because you're not invested in them in characters first. No, John Carpenter was the master of that. You can mm-hmm. look at all of his movies. It takes the time for you to get to know those characters. And uh, it's it's something I picked up myself with a lot of writing that I do. Mm-hmm. Cheap plug. Uh, but 30 Days a Night had an amazing cast as well. And it probably has one of the best ever day for night edits. So they shot all this stuff in the day and made it look like night but you cannot tell right. it is just glorious and i'm shocked that this film is not certified fresh because it should be right. um in all honesty geez. i was after uh, amanda brought this up recently i was actually planning on watching this at some point soon probably because halloween's coming up or whatever but she was so fervent about this being excellent in her 
comparison to Twilight that I thought, you know what, I need to get this again. I need to watch this properly oh, and set yeah, down. Yeah. yeah. Well, she, she's a smart woman. Amanda, you're a smart woman. This is the movie you should be watching this week. I don't think it's going to get pulled out of what's in the box this week. No, at the because moment, no. it's not rated that low. But um, it is something that you should watch on your build-up to Halloween. And now that we've covered it on the show, you should actually watch it because it's its anniversary, obviously. I would highly recommend 30 Days of Night. I would highly recommend that you stay away from the director video sequel, 30 Days of Night, Dark Days. Okay. So, well, aren't they dark days anyway, the 30 Days of Night? That was the point of the fucking plot. But, you know, I guess we just needed that spelling out. And obviously no one from the movie actually returns. Did you know uh, that they did a 30 Days of Night and X-Files crossover? Really? Really. It was in the comic. I managed to pick up a few issues. Uh, but then I I kind of stopped because I wasn't getting up to Manchester enough and then I can miss a few of them. But yeah, it's a case of Mulder and Scully end up going up to Barrow to investigate all the reports of the vampires and then they end up getting caught up in it when it all goes to hell. Wow. So yeah, I don't know if they released that as a collector's a collected, uh, version. I'm sure they did. It'd just be out there on eBay or something by now. But yeah, that's that's out there. That's incredible. I, I'm going to have to look online at this. Yeah, I think I've uh, still got a few of the like the first three issues or something at home. Oh, interesting. Okay, so anyone looking for a good Halloween thrill, if you have not seen 30 Days of Night, you need to see this movie. It is so good. So good. And uh, I, I defended this movie like crazy to everyone in film school who were just like, oh, you know, it's... It's not really a vampire film. It's like, you like Twilight, don't you? Yeah. Well, you can fuck off then. (laughs) 30 Days a Night is... I don't recall any great vampire movies coming out afterwards. Because obviously you get stuff like that, The Invitation that Jonas was telling us about. Um, But no, it's uh, it's definitely There's nothing that springs to mind. There really isn't. No, it's because vampires were pretty much killed off with the whole Twilight thing. And... They're just not scary anymore. Well, we need to do something. We need to bring them back and make them terrifying. Well, you can start with watching 30 Days of Night over okay. this week. And next week, when we do an audio episode, I expect to hear that you have also watched that as well as whatever movie comes out of What's in the Box. All right. Picky. Well, Amanda's not going to mind. She's trying to get you to watch it anyway. So we might as well get a follow one. All right, then. Fair enough. Right. What's um, next? Totally different kind of horror here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not The Last Jedi, is it? Oh, no, 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 no. We've actually had someone who was a producer of this movie on our show. Oh, oh, yes. Ooh, who, who? So, is good Richard old. Richard Mirish. No, good old Mark Marshall was on our show. Ah, right. Because in 1993, this year, Free Willy was released. Oh, yay. Start your penis jokes now, I guess. Ah. <laughs> uh, can we just get out of the way? Yes, here in the UK we call a penis a willy. And yes. it is the butt of jokes constantly. Uh, but <laughs> but yes. yes. It's it's incredibly childish, but when this came out, um, I was about 14, so you can imagine all the kind of giggling that was going on in my secondary school. With yes. The, uh, uh, willy. Uh, 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 there's a girl looking at me. I don't know what to do. Uh. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. 
That was you a couple of years ago. Um, so, Free Willy was directed by Simon Winsor. This is a name that we have come across before, Steve. Uh, he directed a film in 1980 called Harlequin. Not Harley Quinn, but a movie actually called Harley Quinn. Uh, if you know of uh, Lonesome Dove, I'm sure you've heard of the name Lonesome yes. Dove. Yes, I do. Uh, he was director on that. He also did another Western movie with Tom Selleck called Crossfire Trail back in the day. But we know Simon Winsor as the director of Billy Zane is the Phantom. I need to watch that at some point. <laughs> you have seen the Phantom, though, surely. I haven't seen the Phantom, no. You haven't. I haven't. I thought no. you went. I thought you went on a rampage of seeing movies like The Shadow, The Rocketeer, and stuff like that. And I thought The Phantom was one of them. The Phantom was on the list, but I never actually got around to to properly watching it. Oh, you've got. I, <laughs> I love it. It's just one of their movies, inoffensive. You can just chuck on and have some fun. Uh, so yes, yeah, Simon Winter also directed Free Willy. Now, what I can tell you about Free Willy, this was the second movie released by Warner Brothers Family Entertainment, which was a division that was set up uh, following the release of Dennis, or Dennis the Menace, if you're in the US, but we have a different Dennis the Menace who is much yes. better in uh, the UK. Apparently the two kind of emerged at the same time, and then they had this unspoken agreement. It wasn't kind of like contractual or anything. But they just said, right, let's let's just do our own thing and not kind of cross over when we kind of swap areas. Yes, that's what very true. But our Dennis the Menace and his dog Nasher would kick their Dennis the Menace's ass yeah. all day and night. So this was the second movie in the Warner Brothers Family Entertainment division that was set up. And you will know which one it is, because at the beginning, Bugs Bunny appears on the Warner Brothers logo eating a carrot. Yeah, I was going to say, because that's on the box art as well. He's kind of leaning against the Warner Brothers shield on all of those kind of films. Yes. And within that same period, uh, the third, fourth, and fifth movie that was released from Warner Brothers Family Entertainment was The Secret Garden. Which mm-hmm. is great. It's it's such a lovely film that I don't think anyone's seen, but it should. It's like a little princess. They're the films that you really should see, but were kind of overlooked. Uh, there was also a film called The Nutcracker. Apparently, I don't remember that. But uh, the fifth one we know very well. It was Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Oh yes, now we're talking. Probably the third. Well, I would actually say the second best Batman movie of the eighties. That. 90s. 90s. Okay, 90s, then who, sorry. which was the which was the first then? I'm, I've got to go fully go in with uh, Batman Returns. Oh, right. I thought you were going to say, oh, it's a, a comic, uh, sorry, an animated film. That no, 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 no. I didn't no. know you were going off against a live action. Jesus. Oh, I said Batman film. I didn't say Batman animated film. Uh, in that case, Mask of the Phantasm would be number one. Yes, it would. Followed by uh, Batman of the Future, Return of the Joker. Because mm. I, I did love that one. Uh, when you think of Free Willy, you all go with the scene where Willy jumps out of the water over the boy. Mm. And if we talk about Free Willy 2, that's just Rick Ravenello walking out of the water with his two penises. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> I remind him every time. I talk to him every time and I still call him Two Dick Rick to this day. <laughs> While I'm here, just in case Rick is listening to this, and he's probably going to send this on to uh, his manager, Scott, who was the person who kind of helped put him on the show. 
Scott, we really do apologize for that episode. <laughs> I don't. No, no, we we don't at all. You know, he's had the most fun, and everyone loves Rick Ravenello yeah. here now. So uh, fear is next one. Uh, but anyway, uh, Free Willy. Um, it's not a bad film, you know. I mean, Mark was a producer on it. I think I was kind of growing out of the whole family movies by that point, and I just wanted to see guns and and all stuff like that. Yeah, um, I was more kind of into. Oh, right. Is is there another Lethal Weapon film coming out at any point? Yeah, th- this was where stage. we were starting to transfer over into like Reservoir Dogs and all those movies mm. were coming out. So that was kind of we, our switch from the, the typical family movies that we saw. So it's a, it's a whole different generation, you know, that came in on those movies. And Free Willy isn't bad, you know. If you had to choose out of, I don't know how many Free Willy movies there are, and an animated series apparently. So how many times did Willy need to be freed to have an entire series? Yeah, I really do hope these are other whales. Because yeah. if it is the same whale, then oh my god, it's like he wants to get caught. It's Stockholm Syndrome whale. Yeah. <laughs> I can't survive on the outside. Yeah, I wanted to All go the once, seals but are it's like... at me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's harpoons and shit out there. But um yeah, obviously the the great <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh it's a Saturday night, isn't it? It is. Oh so um Free Willy obviously has uh the happy tale that Kiko the Whale was released from captivity following mm-hmm. this movie. So it does have a very positive story on it. Uh, unfortunately uh Kiko the Whale did pass away. Was it like two thousand three? Something like that. I have no idea. I've no idea, but I think I heard that it wasn't too long after the film came out? I don't know. Yeah, because the, it wasn't the same whale for 2 and 3. No. Um, whatever else. They were different or animatronics or something like that. But anyway, uh, Free Willy was released this week, just in time for Halloween. Yeah. <sighs> it's exactly what you need at Halloween, isn't it? A yeah. Great big it... whale penis. <laughs> By the way, we, we love you, Mark. We really do. We want you, we want you back on. Yeah, he's not coming on now because we just like slandered that movie unintentionally. Sorry, but we're we're British Philistines. What can we say? But don't worry. Speaking about penis, <laughs> okay. <laughs> In two thousand two, Triple X was released. Oh God! Now, yeah. obviously, here's the movie. Directed by Rob Cohen. You may remember him as the director of Dragonheart or Stealth or Dragon the Bruce Lee story. Uh, he was a producer of The Running Man. Or if you're Asia Argento, you would probably remember him for something completely different on this movie. You can look that up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're not getting into it. Um, this is basically the movie where Vin Diesel just wanted to be the triple X Bond. You know, the, the extreme James Bond which he is, goes to Prague. It's weird because if you look at what is in this movie and what's in the later Fast and the Furious movies, they're the same film. Stunts by the same of, director. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping out of planes, car chases, ridiculous stunts, and and just Vin Diesel grunting and growling his way through everything. They're the same films. Yes, mm. and Vin Diesel did all of his own stunts for Triple X. 
except for the garbage drive and attempting to act. So the thing uh, is, I can't, uh, I can't be mad at Vin Diesel. He's a massive D and D nerd, and uh, you've, you've, I've, I've got to give props to someone who is that jacked and properly into something like D and D. It's like Joe Man- Manginello. I think that's how yeah. you pronounce his name. He's the exact same. He's like, he's in Magic Mike showing off his six pack, and he's there. Okay, I'm gonna roll like a D six. My my elf just killed you. It's like, no, I, I gotta love that. Right, listen, I am not a fan of the Triple X franchise. No, at not. all, at all. Right, I wasn't a fan of it when I came out, and I had a friend who was like, "Oh, Vin Diesel's a man." You know, these, these movies are absolutely awesome, gearhead movies, whatever. And I'm just like, shit. <laughs> you know, outside, I, I like a bit of realism, right? And I could see what they were doing, and I thought, okay, yeah, all right, you know, it's going to be fine. And he wasn't back for Triple X 2, and neither was the audience. And then you had Triple X 3, where he does come back. After dying. After dying, which is yeah. the most extreme stunt, obviously. But I will never forget the return of Xander Cage for the fact where he's doing a chase scene in somewhere like Rio de Janeiro, really hot climate, and he lands in someone's back garden and takes their skis to go down this mountain. What? And I'm there thinking, why the fuck have they got skis? W- was There's it, no was snow, snow in that country. No? Oh, shit. Right? <sighs> and stre- I picked up on that instantly as soon as I saw it. I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> they they could weekend at Val d'Azur. No, they could. But no, I'm I'm not a fan of the Triple X movies. And, and there's nothing wrong with them creatively, you know, the way they've been made. I think they're very slick. They're very well-made movies. It's just... <sighs> Bond's on his way out. Dying of a day is... Garbage. Pretty much dying. <laughs> Di- dying right now. Yeah. Um, dying on and your then ass. This was the, the tackle because... Vin was huge at the time. You know, he had the Fast and Furious franchise, even though he didn't come back for number two. And only had a small cameo in number three. And then came back properly for number four, which was years later. But he had the Pitch Black franchise. Yeah. The Riddick franchise, I guess you would call him. And Pitch Black is great. Chronicles of Riddick is... Yikes. And then, and then Riddick is like, how can you try and mix the second film and the first film back together? And just not deliver. It, it was it was just kind of weird, and I guess we're just not getting any more Riddick movies. No. I think Pitch Black was a major fluke because it was you know it was an independent movie. I will say this um, though about the the Riddick stuff: the game, uh, oh, Escape Butcher from Bay. Butcher Bay. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. phenomenal. That's now, it. That gives a Steve Hester chef's kiss. Oh, absolute. <laughs> I've I've actually been looking to try and see if we can find a copy for that on eBay recently. Oh well, it's I I remember I played game. quite a bit of it and I got to the point where it was all before he got his eyes done and you had to go down into this really dark layer mm-hmm. and you couldn't see a damn thing what was going on and I couldn't get past that. But anyway, Triple uh, X is a bag of shit. It was released in two thousand and two. <laughs> Say it like uh, you see it. Come on. No, just uh, well, you know. And and Rob Cohen, who was like the Mr. Reliable director, but unfortunately it's got a bit of a, a bad reputation now. Uh and you can look into the reasons why. I'm not gonna repeat them here. Um but yes, that was released in two thousand two. We've got two left. Yeah. All right. So 
we've not got any more spooky ones. So what, what's next? Well, kind of. Because kind in of. 1991, Ooh. Disney's all-time classic, The Beauty and the Beast, was released. Ah, before it was ruined by live action. Yeah. 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 I the, the went most, the... to the cinema to see this. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake, Steve. Oh, my God. Uh, this is why I'm always troubled about the movies you do pay money to see. Um, What's wrong with this? Are you talking about the animated or I'm the talking about the one? animated. I saw oh, it. The anima- oh, I'll let you off. Oh, I'll God. Off. I was... No. I thought you meant that Emma Watson version that had no reason to be made because it was exactly identical. None of these live action remakes have any purpose being made whatsoever. No. Spe- no. That Lion King one. It wasn't live action. They were all CG. Anyway, th- let's get back to yeah. the good stuff. So yeah, that was the that was the peak. That was the the renaissance of Disney animation. Yes. It kicked off with uh, was it Little Mermaid. Little was Mermaid. First? Then it was this. Then, then it was, it was Aladdin. Aladdin. Then the Lion King. Yeah, and then the Hunchback of Notre Dame, which yeah. I also thought was amazing. Uh, directed by Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise, who also directed the Hunchback of Notre Dame after this. Mm. And then uh, the Disney movie that everyone seems to forget is a Disney animated movie called Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Yeah, that kind of, no pun intended, but that kind of came out and then sank without a trace. It really did. It just vanished off people's radars almost overnight. Yeah, that and Treasure Planet Mm -hmm. just kind of vanished. And it was like, we're in shit, boys. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) They don't want to see classic stories transported to the future. Give them more Pixar. Give them more Pixar. Go on. Yes. Yes, we need more Pixar. Um, Beauty and the Beast is a classic. Absolutely. And I'm not just saying that because last week we lost Angela Lansbury. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Potts herself. Jessica Fletcher. um, Jessica Fletcher. Yeah. Uh, Who is iconic in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is one of the biggest names from this movie because... The only other people I know is David Ogden Steers and um, uh, what's his name? Jerry Orbach. Right. Uh, I don't believe they're with us anymore either. So all of the people who were names in this movie are now passed away. I still have one major question in regards to the plot of Beauty and the Beast. This, this hasn't got anything to do with the fact that someone must have turned into a toilet at one point, is it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? No, no, but it's kind of linked to that. My, my point is, if all of the people who worked around the house or were visiting the house or anything turned into furniture, where the fuck was all the furniture? Yeah, because you would be expecting, oh, oh, someone turned into a wardrobe. So there's like two wardrobes in the one room. <laughs> Did they get jealous? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wardrobe on wardrobe action. Yeah. <laughs> with, with a set of drawers. Looking, looking from the other side. <laughs> There's a really sinister version of Beauty and the Beast going on. <laughs> Which is with Sorry. an Ottoman kind of peeking around the corner. Yeah. Fuck, fuck this coffee table. <laughs> out, out. But, he, but if you go down to where I, you know where the moat is at the bottom of the castle yeah. is just filled with the dead bodies of furniture. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> I think we also need to address the fact that one. The witch that cursed, um, I can't remember what the princess's name actually was, but um, she doesn't just curse him. She cursed the entire household. What a bitch. 
<laughs> Seriously, what an absolute bitch. Because it's it's not the poor T-boy that has uh, thrown you away from the door. It's the person in charge. Deal with him. Uh, and how come when Chip came back to life, he didn't miss a huge piece from his head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just missed a bit of a tooth. That's not how it works. No. That's not how it works at all. It does have one... I think it was probably one of the first uses of CG in a properly high-quality Disney animated movie where you've got... The ballroom. The ballroom scene. Yeah. And that incredible, iconic, swooping shot that circles around Bell and Beast as they're having their dance. It's incredible. Was this the first animated movie to actually be nominated for Best Picture? I think it was, wasn't it? What? uh, No, uh, Snow White? Didn't that win? Was that nominated for Best Picture? I wasn't I alive at the know. time, so I don't know. I don't know, but I'm sure that there's been uh, Academy Award winning animation before then. I think even like Fantasia won, I think. Well, I think Fantasia is the only other Disney movie with more songs in it than this movie. Yeah. There's 25 minutes of songs in this movie. Yeah, but the catchy though, even at work today, I was I was there just humming along. Be my guest, be your guest. It 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 still stays in your. <laughs> I, I want to know why the fuck you're at work singing "Be my guest." Because I was arranging Disney statues. Give me a break. Ah, oh no! Oh no! You're peeking behind the curtain. No, I mean, I mean, I'm a successful businessman. Yes. Yes, in in arranging statues in the media. <laughs> yes. Um, well, Beauty and the Beast. The first time I saw it, I actually I don't think I saw it at the cinema. I think I saw this on VHS when I first mm. saw it, which is a crime. I know. You should try and see as many films on a big screen as you can, which yeah. is what I do now in my luxurious big screen and projector because I'm such a snob. And this movie got <laughs> to be it. Uh, this this movie got released again in the cinemas for its anniversary, didn't it? Uh, I and think did so, pretty yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, out, well, out of those four that I mentioned at the beginning, the only one that I didn't actually see in the cinema was Aladdin. The others, the, the, and, and every single one was just this magnificent work of art. It's It was the golden age for Disney. Yeah. I don't think they put a foot wrong probably around the early 2000s when they did. Mm. I can't remember which film was... The one I'm not going to say it was Hercules because I really liked Hercules and I really liked Mulan. So whatever yeah. the animated one that came out after them was, Pocahontas? and I also think, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. I think Disney even forgot about that one. Yeah, as fast as it could. <laughs> Who who's the Hollywood star in this one? Mel Gibson, brilliant, <laughs> upstanding individual. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, I'm sure Mel's a lovely guy. He's just gone a bit mad. Hmm. Um, anyway, to get away from Beauty and the Beast, uh, it's an all-time classic, probably one of the greatest animated movies of all time. Yes. Uh, and I want to say a big shout-out to Don Hahn, who worked excessively on that movie, and hopefully he's going to be listening. And we'd love to have you on, Don, to talk about all your time at Disney on these animated classics. Yes. We especially want to hear about that time during Aladdin when... Uh, the the CEO came down whilst you were all working and told you to absolutely scrap everything and start from fresh. Oh, what the entire film? Yeah. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Oh dear. That's that. That'd be an interesting story to hear. I don't believe he's there anymore. Um. So yeah, Beauty and the Beast, nineteen ninety one. 
this week, just in time for Halloween, kids. Yes, it's very spooky. Um, right, so we've got one left. Let's make it a good one. One left. Uh, and this would be in 1992. And if anyone knows their history, they would know, obviously, in 1492, Christopher, Christopher Columbus discovered where? Uh, his pants. So you're hesitating, so you're not going to say America, are you? No. Well, actually, he landed somewhere in kind of like the, the Northern Caribbean islands. Yes. Uh, kind of like round the Gulf of Mexico, not ne- not necessarily actually in North America. He kind of then discovered that on the way back. Yes, I don't understand where this checkered history of people say Christopher Columbus discovered America is like, well, not really. I think the people who were living there discovered it before he did. Yes, I would say so. Uh, So in 1992, or this week, 1492 Conquest of Paradise was released, directed by our old friend Ridley Scott. I was honestly hoping that you were going to say Carry On Columbus. No, but... That was also released that year, as well as another movie called Christopher Columbus, The Discovery. Guess which one I've seen. (laughs) Carry on Columbus, by any chance. (laughs) You saw the worst one. You only watched that because Rick Mail was in it. I know for a fact that is the reason why. (laughs) It is, isn't it? Uh, Yes. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So, Ridley Scott, when he's not directing Replicants or Romans or Housewives on the Run or Matt Damon Stranded on Mars... Or Ruining he Aliens. Also, or ruining Aliens, yes. Uh, he also is the master of the big screen historical epic. You can talk Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, I guess you can talk Gladiator as well. You can go mm-hmm. all the way back to the Duelists. But one of my favourites is one that doesn't get talked about a lot. 1492 Conquest of Paradise with Gerard Depardieu as Christopher Columbus. And uh, I love this movie. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I I really do love this movie. If you're going to watch one movie about Christopher Columbus, it is this one with the fantastic Vangelis soundtrack. Uh, I believe it was originally supposed to be Hans Zimmer, but Hans Zimmer was unavailable. Uh, so they got Vangelis who also composed the music for Blade Runner. So it's it's the Ridley Scott Vangelis uh, collaboration that a lot of people don't really mention because Blade Runner was so popular. I actually heard that Vangelis doesn't, or didn't, I should say, because he did pass away not that long ago. Yep. Um, he didn't know how to read music. No, that's that's probably true. So everything that he did, it was done just basically by uh, just kind of playing with the instrument and seeing what sounded all right to his ears, and then just trying to replicate it. Yes, that that I have heard similar along those lines. Mm-hmm. And the score on this is amazing. Uh, it is a good two and a half hour epic. Back when two and a half hours was a major event movie, and not every movie fucking released every week. Mm. And it had a to-die forecast, so you also had Sigourney Weaver playing the Queen of Spain. And she was also doing reshoots for Alien 3 around this time. So I think she had the wig. That wouldn't be surprising, because it would no. kind of line up, wouldn't it? Because Alien would. 3 was 90... I want to say 93 that that came out. And 92. Was it 92? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out 
around the same time as Universal Soldier and Lethal Weapon 3. So that was a summer movie. Right. I remember it very well. I remember that summer, indeed. Uh, it also has uh, Frank Langella, Skeletor himself, <laughs> is in this movie. Uh, you had the raspy tones of Michael Wincott playing Moxie in the movie. You also had Kevin Dunn in there. Uh, and you had the person whose name I just love saying again and again, Armando Sante. Armando Sante. <laughs> I, I am such a huge mark for Armando Sante. I thought he was the best thing in Judge Dredd. Yeah. In a movie that was so terrible, but he still came out of it smelling like roses. Oh, yeah, because he was properly staring into that skid, though, wasn't he, in that movie? Oh, yeah, he was like, you know what? I'm here with a person who can't act, so I am going to act for him as well as me. And uh, just nails it. There's this version of Judge Dredd out there that is a much better movie, uh, because you can tell from that film when you watch it that there was some serious editing going oh, on. yeah. You feel that there's 25 minutes that are seriously missing from that movie. Oh, yeah. I love the Carl Urban Dread, and I would, I would oh, yeah. kill to see a sequel to that. But if you were to re-release Judge Dread with like loads of unreleased gore and uh, all craziness, I'm all for that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but getting back to 1492, um, it is so well shot, so well lit. So well edited. This is brilliantly edited movie. And it fully, I guess, captures that time because there, there is no sequences of, oh, there's a car in the background. Oh, Russell Crowe's wearing a watch and all stuff like that. The meticulous detail in this movie is incredible. And it is such a rewarding watch. If you've got an evening where you just want to watch a really good historical epic, then 1492 Conquest of Paradise. You, you should watch Hunt this movie down. I don't know where it's available nowadays. Um, I'm not sure if it's fell out of circulation. In fact, uh, just while you come up with a witty antidote, I'm going to look up. Okay, well, while you're looking that up, um, I have no idea why I picked this. In order to keep the kids away from watching stuff which they shouldn't be watching on the, the Skybox, I put a parental lock on, and for some reason I picked 1492 as the code for the parental lock. And now they know it. Well done. They're in bed and they don't listen to this, so yay. <laughs> you know what? It's not even streaming on anything at the moment. Is it not? How weird is that? Uh. Wow. Well, this movie will be somewhere. You will find it somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's strange that it doesn't get talked about in Ridley Scott's kind of extensive resume of great movies because it should be up there. If I remember correctly, it wasn't too widely praised at the time. Not at the time, no. I think a lot of it, if I remember correctly, and this is stretching back some time, the, the reviews were kind of middling for it. Yeah, but, you know, each to their own, I guess. Yeah, but a critics, uh, no. From what I can tell you, it sits at 32% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Uh, they say it's historically inaccurate. And dramatically inert. Well, I don't agree with dramatically inert. They say it's an epic without grandeur or insight. And that is wrong. It really is wrong. So the box office gross in USA was $6.5 So it definitely underperformed yeah. at the box office. There, There is no way that can be right. <laughs> I've, I've got to say, it must have made more money than that. Well, yeah. 
it all depends on you know it probably would be uh rejig for inflation because if that's just the US box office then there's also the global stuff and I can see it doing well in Spain maybe yeah I could see that I mean let's have a look what it says here well there wasn't Columbus so, Italian uh, people here are saying it's no means the horror show its poultry box office performance would suggest okay right? and that is true and that's Empire basically said it is flawed but you know it's not a terrible movie and it's not it, it's brilliant watch it now watch it on the best screen you can with the great best speakers you can and uh, you'll love it yeah so it's it's worth watching unlike Gridiron UK okay <laughs> Oh, yes, and I remember you uh, pulling a handful of them out of a box. But speaking yes. of putting your hand in a box... What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Rawr. Steve. Yes? What's in the, what's in the box, dude? Uh, well, what's in the box is the part of the show where Andy used to try and get me to watch good movies, uh, except this time around, we're going to be watching bad. He's going to be putting his handy to a box and pulling out the name of a movie which is Certified Rotten, i.e. is uh, sitting a 25% or under score on Rotten Tomatoes. If he pulls out the name of a movie that I have seen, keeps pulling out names of films until we find one that I haven't, then I go away and watch it the day before we record our next episode. Easy. Yes, that's, that is exactly what we do. Yes. Okay, Steve. I've pulled two out here. Okay. Thinking of Rick again. Uh, <clears throat> I pulled two out here. They're both horrors. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, Jesus. And... It's a f- part of a franchise, this one. Okay. Steve. Yeah? Have you seen Saw 4? Uh, God. I did I did have an ex and she was, low, she was always putting them on. I'm going to say yes. Because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, those movies are pretty much interchangeable. Um, they can be, yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes on that one. I may not have done, but it, it, it was they, they all kind of blurred into one kind of melange. I saw the first, <laughs> the first one was great. Yes, the first one is great. I saw, I saw that one. I, I think. Right. I, well, it, the fact wh- that you've seen three out of eight, nine, ten of them, however many there've been. We're going to actually say that you potentially have not seen so far. How long were you with the girl for? Uh, about a year and a half. What year? That would have been... Oh, when was that? Kind of around about 97 or so. 97? Not 97, 2007. First... Sorry. I was going to say the first fucking sofa wasn't made till 2004. <laughs> what she had those instant cassettes from Spaceballs. Um, oh, yeah, when we were when in year. when in two thousand seven did you break up? Oh, Christmas! So it broke my oh, heart. Fuck! Then you probably did see Sofa. Yeah, yeah. Let's was... let's let's just it's so yeah. Seen it. Move on. All right. What's the so other one? A- anyone after Sofa you have got to watch because I know you haven't seen them. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the next one is. 
Captivity. Captivity? Sitting at 9%. Oh, that rings a bell. I don't think I've seen it. You're you're taking the fucking piss. No, I don't think I have seen that one, though. Okay. Well, this one stars uh, Alicia Cuthbert. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she basically plays a model. And um, when she's alone at a charity event, she's abducted, put in a cell with another prisoner. And the captor subjects the two to torture, and they must find a way out of the Chamber of Horrors. So you have that kind of horror movie to watch. So it's Saw. <laughs> yes, but it's called Captivity. <laughs> it's Saw with, who did Eliza Cuthbert? Alicia Cuthbert, yeah. Alicia Cuthbert. Yes. Eh, same bloody thing. So that is your movie. So at least you've got another horror movie, dude. You know? Okay. I was kind of hoping that you were going to pull out something like Friday the 13th and then I'd lie about having seen it. Okay. No. No. Right. So uh, that is your movie. And uh, we will be joining you next week to find out how you got on. And watch 30 Days of Night at the same time. You know, at least you'll have two different movies there. I will try and squeeze both of them in during the school summer holidays. Summer holidays? They're half term holidays. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Fuck it. Oh, my God. It's one of them weeks. Uh, I think we're still suffering from the alcohol. Uh, yeah, I've been up since six. Give me a break. It, it, was, a, it was a bad night, guys. It was, yeah. Well, it was, a, it was a great night, but it was a bad morning. I'll put it that way. And uh, Uber ripped me off by completely draining my bank account. Uh, it, it I don't even know if they paid that back in yet. I'm going to have to find out. Anyway, anyway. Um, with that in mind, we're going to try and fit a video episode in, hopefully over the next week. Uh, we don't know who's going to be on it yet, so you're just going to have to find out when you tune in. Yes. And uh, I just want to say, for all the people who actually started uh, listening to the show, we've had an increase in numbers, especially on YouTube recently for our later episodes. Yeah, so um, if you like what you're hearing, then obviously hop over to our YouTube channel. It's Pottywood, you know, just search for it. It's there. Um, If you want to then listen to us on the go and you don't have YouTube Premium, you can find us on Spotify, Audible, pretty much all of the major platforms. If you want to talk to us about anything that we've discussed in this show, then you can hop over to Twitter or Facebook at Pottywood and whatever. Just get involved. Get involved. It's fun. Tell your friends as well. Yeah, give give us a share, and then tell us you've given us a share, and then we'll give you a shout out. How about that? Yes, or oh, and we can engage in some witty banter. Yes, indeed. Okay, uh, well, that is another week. We are out of here. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, gone a little bit longer today because we had so many anniversaries, yes. but we know you like listening to us on the go. Uh, a special shout out to Sarah as well who ends up listening to our show when she is walking home from work every week. And she let me know that the other day. So I just wanted to say thank you. Love having you listening to us. And uh, if you disagree with any of our film choices, let us know. Yeah. Uh, if we're giving shout outs, then I want to give uh, another shout out as well. Rob Baird, been listening to us. And uh, yes, thank you very who? much for giving us support. Friend of mine. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Uh, what's his name? Rob Baird. Rob Baird. 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 Is it like Baird. beard, but said Baird? Uh, no. Rob, there's, there's Rob an, Baird. There's, there's Rob, Rob Baird, it. thanks for listening to the show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Right, and with that in mind, uh, we are out of here. So it is a goodbye from me. Are we, are we still on? 
Apparently so, oh, yes. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. We need to go now. Goodbye from me as well. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>